0: Have you ever reacted negatively to your spouse, but didn't really understand why?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Have you ever walked into a room and felt sort of threatened without actually being threatened? What is it about certain situations that causes us to put our guard up? Well, actually, it's a hardwired primal instinct that's built into our nervous system when we feel unsafe or even threatened. But sometimes the system gets hijacked and causes damage to our most important relationships. In today's episode, we're going to discuss these reactions and the neuroscience of safety in relationships.
1: Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage?
0: Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration.
1: Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow.
0: And I'm Robert Snow.
1: And welcome to Master Your Marriage,
0: where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing
1: game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it.
0: So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in.
1: All right, so I'm going to start out by sharing a couple of different situations with you, and I just want you to listen to the differences in these two situations to see if you can figure out what happened.
0: Okay, I'm ready.
1: Ready? So situation number one, Taylor. Taylor walks into the house after a long day at the office, and as the door swings closed, she sees Charlie's relaxed face. Charlie looks at her and smiles His mouth is curved up and his eyes are twinkling. His forehead's a little crinkled as he breaks out into this silly grin. Charlie says hello in a higher than normal pitched voice because he has enthusiasm in his voice. Taylor moves toward him and is excited to embrace him and feel his calmness soothe her after a hard day.
0: Oh, that's sweet.
1: Okay, you do situation two.
0: Okay, situation two. Taylor walks into the house after a long day at the office, and as the door swings closed, she sees Charlie's stare. Corners of his lips are turned down and his forehead and eyebrows are furrowed, and he asks her, why you home so late? In a low and forceful monotone voice, Taylor just pretty much looks at her feet, glances down at the floor, and walks off to her bedroom to change, feeling anxious and distant about this reaction.
1: Hmm. So, with very few words exchanged, these two situations had vastly different outcomes. In the first situation, it created connection and intimacy, a hug, whereas the second situation resulted in anxiety and disconnection.
0: So, have you ever walked into a room and felt pretty much uneasy?
1: Mm -hmm, I have.
0: Yeah. Have you ever met someone and then maybe felt an instant connection with that person?
1: I have, actually.
0: And yet you don't know why you felt that way in either of those situations, but it must be some kind of inner instinct.
1: Yes, I actually have. So we're going to introduce a topic that you might've heard of before, and it's called polyvagal theory. So polyvagal theory was developed by Dr. Stephen Pogis in 1994. And so to explain this in A couple of sentences as simply as possible. Polyvagal theory is our state and how our state influences how we respond to the world and how we experience the world. So when our body is in a state of calmness, we see the world much more optimistic, engaging, benevolent. But when our body is in a state of threat, like anxiety or stress, then the world becomes a much more intense and dangerous place. So to simplify it even more, polyvagal theory is really about how you feel and whether or not you feel safe enough.
0: Okay. Uh-huh.
1: And, you know, if we do feel safe, then the world is a great place to be in. Whereas if your body is in a state of threat, the world's going to feel like a pretty dangerous place.
0: And, and that's the same thing because a lot of people, um, especially in today's times, you know, mm-hmm. post COVID, there's always this fear of, of you know, being sick and, and, mm-hmm. and even where, what's the world or judged gonna be? or attacked yeah. or yeah, and how, and what kind of world we're leaving for our kids and all that. And, and that sort of plays into this, this, this overriding feel feeling of threatened and, and not being safe. Right. Good point. Yeah. So the interesting thing about this is there's really no conscious active thought about this. Um, it happens totally unconsciously, right? It's a primal instinct. And this is because you have this inner radar, that's built into your evolutionary autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. In fact, think of your body like a radar. It sends out a signal and then objects reflect back information to this radar system that you have.
1: Exactly. So let's put that into a situation. Let's say, for example, you walk into a room and you feel immediately anxious
0: and they're done that
1: don't really know why just yeah. something feels off your nervous system radar received some kind of information back that you were not safe before you even had the thought though that you weren't safe before you had the thought that something was just off your body had already started to automatically respond so your respirations your perspiration your heart rate your vision your hearing all of these things were already adapting before you even had a thought about the situation that you were in.
0: Yeah. And that's, and we've talked about the autonomic nervous system before and about how it can react. Um, and even in danger situations, your autonomic nervous system really starts respiration and pupil dilation, um, even before you can react consciously. Right. And, and so these are things that happen in the background. Um, and, so our nervous system does this. It doesn't really have a language. It just reacts and it really reacts quickly, mm-hmm. right? And as I mentioned, it's way ahead of our conscious thought. And then later comes this conscious thought that we simply try to translate into explaining why we feel the way we feel or why we had these thoughts. Mm-hmm. So way before we can consciously interpret interpret the situation, we have this thing called neuroception and this is sort of like the radar that we talked about that right neuroception is defined as our unconscious constant processing of our environment for cues and we're looking for either safety or danger
1: exactly so this instinct is something that we're all born with it's evolutionary we're born with this inner radar system that's constantly checking for cues of either safety or danger in our environment and then it's signaling back to the body Oh hey wait a minute there's danger here or it's signaling back you know what we're okay
0: and that's we're the hard good. part right like how do we how do we know which is which
1: well let's get into it
0: okay so in the context of relationships why is safety important right so mm-hmm. it's probably pretty obvious but perceived safety is the bedrock upon which healthy relationships are built like we go into these relationships because we want to feel safe right mm-hmm. and without a sense of safety and security in our relationships They just because they become compromised because our partners will be consumed by defending or reacting to sort of these perceived threats and attacks that we have, right? And we can't have then openness and trust because we don't feel safe. So without safety, there can't be any intimacy and no intimacy, intimacy, there's no closeness. Um, And there can't be any conversations where we can dig deep and learn about each other because we're not going to feel safe about opening up. And then we can't be curious and then we can't be creative or expressive or even really feel connected.
1: Mm. And here's the interesting thing. Safety is not just the absence of threats, because I talk about this with clients all the time. And maybe one party, party doesn't feel safe and the other party doesn't understand, like, I'm not violent. There's no threats here. Why don't you feel safe? So it's not just the absence of threats, but more of a sense, right? It's more of like, This gut instinct, it's a visceral sense that I am safe here with you right now in this place. And this is why it's critical that partners work together to create a sense of safety in their relationship. Because when we receive cues of safety, cues of love, cues of trust, then as Robert just explained, our defensive behaviors turn off. So the responsibility really for us being in relationships is to really learn how to keep the autonomic nervous system out of these states of defense.
0: And this is where it really gets complicated because all of this happens under the direction of the autonomic nervous system, right? Which means it's automatic. We don't really have any control over it. And as I talked about before, the autonomic nervous system is the same system that manages breathing, heart rate, and digestion. And you don't have to think about that. You don't consciously make those decisions to make your heartbeat. It's just automatic. Just like neuroception is automatic. This this radar is just happening all the time, scanning for those cues in your environment and in your, in your conversations with each other for safety and, and or danger.
1: Exactly. And our autonomic nervous system, what's also interesting is that it also carries all the stories from our past, mm, Okay. right? Yeah. So our autonomic nervous system is wired and it's developed as we are experiencing our lives. Our past experiences from life are going to inform the autonomic nervous system that's, oh, that should be perceived as dangerous or this should be perceived as safe. So that means that if you have a history of trauma, you could be sensing danger when there isn't danger. Alarm bells may be going off when there isn't something to be alarmed of, and that's called hypervigilance. So alarm bells are ringing because you're in a state of perceived but not necessarily real threat, right? So sometimes this is an unreliable system.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so if if maybe one of my facial expressions or the tone of my voice is threatening to you and we're married, um, then all of a sudden you go into sort of this hunker down threat response. And then you'll experience those massive physiological responses in your own body without understanding or even realizing why you're sort of reacting that way, the way that you are. And then after the physiological response, then our smart brain wants to interpret and make sense of what happened. Like, Oh, well it, that must be because I was unsafe or that must be because this person's threatening me. So it, it comes up with this narrative to answer why our body's experiencing the reaction it is sometimes that narrative has absolutely nothing to do with reality. And we, we see that, we see that in our clients and sometimes we can see that in ourselves. Yeah, abso-
1: absolutely. Yeah. We've seen I that. I can tell you're ourselves.
0: mad at me. Like I'm not mad at you. Why? How can right. you tell that? Right? right.
1: And like you're saying, this is where the relationship gets into a pretty tenuous position because let's say in that example you just gave of maybe a tone of voice that you had, maybe I did interpret, even though it wasn't intended that way, maybe I did interpret Robert's tone of voice as threatening. And therefore, I'm triggered into a defensive stance. So from that defensive stance, maybe I accuse him, I blame him, I criticize him, or I say something nasty. And now think of it. He didn't intend it that way. I went into defensive mode. Now what's happening in his nervous system? Based on my reaction, what's happening to him? Well, now his nervous system is detecting a threat. So mine detected a threat. I reacted. Now his is detecting a threat. My reaction triggered this now physiological response in him. And now we're in this vicious cycle.
0: And that's never going to get any better, right? So when we're in this cycle, the real issue is how do we get out of this cycle? Mm -hmm. And according to the polyvagal theory... The way, to, the way to get out of the cycle is by detecting cues of love and safety from your environment. So if I were to say, you did this, you caused this, and you should know better, this is all your fault. Well, that isn't going to send signals of love and safety.
1: Nope, that's not going to yeah, work.
0: That's that probably not going to work. I think we already know that's not going to be the one, the winning one right there, right?
1: Right. So this is where we have to learn how to be a safe presence in each other's lives. Oh, I like that. And this is like, this is like life work. Okay. How can I be, how can Robert, how can he change his words, his body language, his tonality to be a safe presence in my life? And conversely, how can I shift my words, my body language, my tonality to be a safe presence in his life? Because if we don't make some kind of shift, and we continue to stay in that defensive stance, then we remain a perceived threat to each other. And as long as we remain a threat to each other, then our whole prefrontal cortex is not going to be functioning at 100%. Yeah,
0: and I think we, at some level, I think all of us in a relationship, in a committed relationship, we sort of know the types of things that we should do. We should know when we should dial it down or when we should change that, or we should know that we, you know, sorry, I'm coming in a little hot, but again, this is a continual process. This yeah. is the work, right? The work is ongoing. It's about learning about each other and learning what cues of what cues can signal love and safety to each other and, and what cues can, you know, signal danger and threat right. and simultaneously learning about our own responses, which, you know, learning about your own response tr- requires a tremendous amount of self awareness. And, and when we feel our own body react, then what we need to do is just, just stop. Um, I think Charla likes to use this quote a lot, quite, this quote quite a lot. And it's, um, you know, the space between
1: stimulus and response, stimulus
0: and response, right? That's where everything changes. So just stop. And before your smart brain tries to come up with some sort of an answer, like, oh, well, this means that, just stop for a moment and appreciate that your body's reacted to something. Try and figure out what that is. So take a moment, take a pause, because once you react, If you react poorly, you could be further triggering the other person into this vicious cycle. But if you take that moment, that moment, that space between stimulus and response, you can break the cycle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And long-term change the way you both respond to those triggers. Yeah. So in that moment of silence, what I want you to think about doing instead, I want you to think about. Okay, I've paused that that moment between stimulus and response. And two things, I want you to feel compassion for yourself. Okay. Don't judge your response. It was there, probably created for a reason initially. So have compassion for yourself and have compassion for the response that you're having and have respect for your nervous system. And then two, I want you to start feeling compassion, benevolence for your partner. So just take a moment to witness this visceral response that you're having, respect it, and then have a sense of compassion for, for both of you.
0: Yeah. And another really critical point here is that our bodies can respond to things that are totally unrelated to your spouse. So for example, and we'll talk about sort of this underlying level of stress that can, t- that can spin your nervous system up, right? So over the last couple of years, our backdoor neighbor was building a new house. On the lot, you know, right on the other side of the fence. And every day there were concrete trucks and construction and backup alarms and erosion issues. And, and I swear every time it rained, you know, mm-hmm. that rock wall they built just flooded. And flooded our our yard.
1: Our backyard, my new garden, flooded my garden. So it was really stressful. And for me, I work from home most days. And so this was super stressful for me because there was this constant low level of stress from all the sounds and the vibrations and the beep, 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 beep of the trucks going backwards. And so it just was like my nervous system was already on edge.
0: And when things like that are happening, our body can respond as though there is a threat or a predator around us. And in these situations, our ability to be compassionate or benevolent to ourselves or others can be challenging It can be compromised because our body might actually be sensing some danger.
1: Right. So imagine now in that situation where, you know, our neighbor has all this noise and vibrations that are happening and I'm already having this like low level of stress. I'm doing my best to tolerate it. I'm doing my best to self-regulate. But then Robert comes home and he has this facial expression
0: it's the only facial expression i have
1: right and maybe because i'm already on edge i really sense that facial expression like he's mad at me or something's wrong and i sense this as threatening that could be enough right there just that facial expression to create a whole blow up between us and again in that moment, coming back to this is the work, right? This is the continual work that we have in our relationship of learning, of striving to be better with one another. Maybe I can pause, right? That stimulus response, catch my reaction, stop, and first of all, have compassion for myself because I've been tolerating and doing my best all day long, but also have compassion for him. You know, maybe he didn't intend it to be that way. Maybe I can assume the best in him. And maybe I could say something like, you know, could we start again? Because I overreacted. I was already on edge and I I saw your face. I misread it and my body just reacted to your facial expression. And I'm sorry. Can we try again?
0: That's And those are some of the best ways to handle that. If we could just, I mean, we're going to talk about some some ideas, but if you can just, you know, rewind early on when you realize that, that it came off a little sharp instead of, instead of digging in, mm. like if you can just rewind and say, like, let, let me just start over like that last 30 seconds was, mm. was bad. Let me start over and repair. as, as the one who was maybe hurt by that, give a little grace and and try to start that over.
1: Yeah. Know? Repair early, repair often. Yeah.
0: The amazing thing about this polyvagal theory is that it teaches us that we aren't so great at recognizing these cues of safety and threat, but we are really good at figuring out what our bodily response is to those cues. So, if your body responds negatively when you're in the prox- proximity to someone else, yeah. we have a choice. Um, we're probably going to want to come up with a story that justifies our reaction because we don't want to be wrong, and we'll probably want to blame our partner. But if we can pause, Look for that space between stimulus and response. We can we can look for and seek greater understanding.
1: So what's the solution when this happens? What's the solution? The solution is safety. Safety is the treatment. Safety is the greatest love language of all. Safety gives us physical health. It gives us mental health. And, you know, really, if we want the world to be a better place, we need to help people feel safer. And if we want our relationship to be better, we need to help partners to feel safer.
0: Yeah. And and we do that through a way of being. Your way of being impacts those around you. It impacts your spouse. It impacts your children. I have a question. How do they feel, your family? How does your family feel when they're alone in a room with you? Is their neuroception communicating to them that they're in a safe space?
1: Hmm and it's really all about that it's all about your way of being it it really is less about what you say what matters is how you make people feel and you yeah. can't you can't make someone feel safe by your words alone you can have all the greatest words to say but it's it's about how they feel when they're with you it's about what their body feels not what the mind is thinking yeah.
0: And the problem with the world that we live in is that we think way too much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We think that safely is simply created by, let me just remove this threat. That's how we operate. And then we'll just remove the threat. And that's why we have guns and armies and certainly removing the threat is important, but it isn't sufficient because armies alone don't signal safety. No, they don't. Yeah. We need to have the cues in our environment of safety to make us feel safe.
1: Right now changing the subject just a wee bit here. I want to talk about how this doesn't just apply to our marriages or our emotionally committed relationships, but it really also relates to our children. So for those of you who have kids, especially young kids at home, I want you to apply this whole polyvagal theory to your children as well, because they also need to feel safe. A lot of people think that children you know, oh, if we, if we have them too safe, then they're going to be coddled or enabled. They're not going to be motivated. They're not going to do their schoolwork. Maybe they need a little bit of healthy fear to keep them motivated. But honestly, polyvagal theory teaches that that's just not true. And you can kind of look at our school system to see that that's not true, because when children don't feel safe, they don't learn. So you end up seeing children that don't want to go to school, they start to have illnesses, they start to have gut problems, because their body is going into shutdown mode, they're struggling to learn, they're getting diagnosed with learning disabilities. So without these signals of safety, just like us as adults, children cannot thrive either. Right?
0: In our, yeah. And in our society, what do we usually do when a child is sort of struggling at school? Um, do we yell at the child or sometimes we'll threaten to reprimand them and ground them, take away, you know, privileges? We usually put much more pressure on the child, none of which signals this sense of safety in their world. Right. So our education model misses something very important, which is the physiological state of the child
1: from a place of safety just like children we all thrive we can learn create innovate connect communicate be curious in fact with curiosity that's actually one of the primary indicators that we're in a ventral vagal state which is the state of safety is that we're actually able to be curious rather than defensive with one another so if it's all about safety what are some tips that we can share with you today to help you create this safe bond, to feel safe with your partner and, you know, extend that to anyone that you love, even your children. So we have a few tips.
0: Oh, we have four tips. I love, I love tips. Okay. Here's my favorite one. Well, maybe they're all my favorites. First tip, play. So create more interactive play with your spouse. Couples need to learn to play more. And so what is playful behavior? It's, it's movement, it's facial expressions, it's the tonality of our voice. And if you look back at the history of your relationship, how did your relationship start? What did you do when you met? It probably was a lot more playful. It was a lot more fun and it was silly. Mm-hmm. Um, couples need to learn to play. I mean, look at your animals, dogs and your cats, like they play all the time. And this goes for kids. Children need more play. And as adults, we need more play. And play, interestingly enough, gives us a sense of safety.
1: Okay, so that's tip number one. Tip number two is to think about communication a little bit differently. So with communication, we've talked about this before, only 7% of our communication is the words that we use. The other 93% of our communication comes from our body language and our tonality. So we can signal and we are signaling safety or danger through our face through our body language and through our intonation of our voice so think about how you can change your voice when you speak to each other how would you speak to a little child how do you change your voice when you're playing with children think about that changing our voice can signal safety to the nervous system it can be reminiscent of our mother's voice it's usually a little higher pitched more melodic even with men Men have a range to their voice, right? You have really low tones, you have higher tones. And so you can even access as a man higher pitch within your own range. Just think, for example, of how a man might speak to their dog when they call their dog. They use that higher frequency, right? Not a low frequency monotone voice. They go up to the higher pitch. So if we want to be playful and we want to signal safety, we need to also use our body language, our facial expressions, and the intonation of our voice.
0: All right. Number three, pause. Just take that space, the space between stimulus and response. And when we do get triggered ourselves, we need to stop and take that moment. And then give some compassion to yourself for your reaction, and give compassion to our partner as well. And be careful of the narrative that we create. We try to add meaning to things that we don't need to. We may need to just explain to our partner what just happened to us. But we need to do it without criticizing or blaming. Yeah, And that's not easy. But we have to remember that we can continue to trigger each other and create this vicious cycle in negative ways.
1: Right. So we have to take that pause. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this because sometimes we hear people say, well, mm, you know, that's your trigger, that's your problem. So people can kind of get rather cold and uncaring towards their partner's reactions and say things like, you know, that's a you thing, that's your trigger, that's your responsibility. But here's the thing, there's work and there's learning for both of us in these situations. And we both have a nervous system that reacts. We both do this. It's not like one person is innocent of this. right? And so there's work and learning for both of us. And and we have to remember that it is a cycle that can impact both of us. So why would I not want to end that cycle? Why would I want to continue hurting or re-traumatizing the person that I love?
0: Yeah. I mean, we... As you should be, I'm, I'm well aware of the things that trigger you as well. And I think Mm -hmm. that, I think that out of respect for your partner, if you've learned those things that, you know, that will trigger them or can trigger them, I think you, you owe it to your relationship to, you know, to have some compassion for why they act that way and, and dig in and understand why this, why, whatever that is, facial expression, tone of voice, thing you say, thing that you do. I think you have to figure, you know, you got to dig in and figure out why that is so important to them and, and what is it bothers them and do your, be- yeah, do your best to avoid it. I think that's yeah. the thing that you would, that would be the most respectful, right? The interesting thing as we talk about this, this is just an automatic reflex, right? And the point um when somebody gets triggered, usually it's just automatic. And the point isn't to judge or get angry at the reflex. The point is to acknowledge that that reflex exists for you, for both of you, and then respect it. And as you do, you'll find that now you can begin to downregulate that reflex because the body didn't feel safe, so it was triggered. But as you start to provide more cues of love and safety, then your reactions will become more tempered.
1: Yeah, that's the cool thing. Just, your
0: radar starts to sense less danger, and then it will attenuate that response.
1: It's kind of, you know, in a way like a muscle. You kind of have to practice it to yeah. to make it work better. This
0: is this is the work you have to do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The last tip we're actually going to hold off on telling you. No, I need the fourth tip. (laughs) Well, the fourth tip is actually co-regulation, but we're out of time almost for today. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to save this tip as an entirely separate uh, subject and talk about it on our next episode because... We really do need an entire episode to talk about co-regulation because it's so important. Co-regulation is medicine for the nervous system. So make sure you tune in to next week's episode as we delve really deep into the topic of co-regulation.
0: So let's just, should I summarize? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So polyvagal theory is a beautiful way to understand yourself and your partner and learn why you're acting the way that you are. Safety is everyone's love language, and we love love languages over here. Mm-hmm. And we invite we invite you to maybe listen to this episode with your significant other and then have a conversation about this topic. Talk about the ways that the two of you can create more safety in your relationship and consider the ideas of play, body language, facial expressions, and even tonality. Then discuss ways that you can support each other when you feel triggered, including what a pause looks like and what it sounds like for you.
1: Perfect. So we hope that this episode has helped you to respect and maybe even start to befriend your nervous system a little bit more and to hopefully find new ways to create safety in all of your relationships, not just your most intimate relationships, but maybe with your kids and others as well. Yes. As always, be kind to each other. Put each other first. It's the small things done often that create lasting relationships.
0: Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question.
1: Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching.
0: And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.